this job and not right before but and I, I a girl came up to me and said I was putting fries in a box which is something you do and she said you are a Christian aren't you I was like how do you know was it these khaki pants there was nothing I was doing that made me look, made me exhibit. I was just putting fries, just looking at the clock, putting fries in a box. Are you a Christian? Now, that's a longer story for a different day, the rest of that conversation. But how did she know? I guarantee you it wasn't anything I was doing. It was probably my haircut. And my general face. No one looks at me and goes, you ride motorcycles, don't you? Like, I don't have that look either. So, I, what does it look How can you spot a Christian in the wild? Also, are there markings that determine whether they're poisonous or not? How do you, what do you know? How do you know they're a Christian? Rachel and I lived right next door to our first church where we preached, where I preached, and we, we would go home, we'd have to walk back to the church, to the, from the church to the house to get in the car to go eat. We would get our kids up there, and while we were there, we might as well change. And we were, we put on our shorts and our t-shirts and, um, went to eat. And when we walked in to those restaurants, those church people laden restaurants, with their suits and ties and their, and, their, and their slacks and their nice shoes. We would walk in with our kids, the looks we would get. I just finished preaching. Now, they didn't know that, but we would walk in and they would turn and look like a bunch of carnival workers just came in. and We were, we were about to try to swindle them out of their, their hard-earned cash. We didn't, we didn't feel like we belonged in those places, and it was always so fun for us. We, what do we look like? How can you tell? Is it bumper stickers? Is it bracelets? What does a Christian look like in the wild? I think a better question, maybe, because Christians are all sorts of looks and um, come from all sorts of backgrounds and wear all sorts of things and enjoy different sorts of hobbies? Maybe a better question is, what does a church look like in the wild? What does a church look like? There's all sorts of answers for that question too. If you told them, told somebody, they say, where do you go to church? Have you had this interaction? Like, do you go to church? Where do you go to church? Glenwood Church. What's that? It's a church of Christ. 
Oh, y'all are the ones that, there's just no good end to that sentence, is there? Y'all are the ones that. One time someone started that sentence with me when, at our church in Arkansas, and they said, y'all are the ones that uh, let people have coffee in the sanctuary. It's like, finally, blow the trumpets, throw the confetti we've been storing for this moment. Someone had a good outside opinion. But it's always just, church, y'all are the church that doesn't believe in instruments. That's the fun one. You're like, nope, they don't exist. Just like the moon landing and the moon. They don't. No, of course we like, but there's always some sort of outside stigma. And you could do that with every group. And you want, you want to relay the idea that what you're thinking about us isn't accurate. But then you get argumentative and that doesn't, that doesn't fit well and. Tell me about your church. Churches that are growing quickly. Well, back when churches used to grow quickly. They, they would hold these conferences. And they would say, Here, here's what we're doing. Uh, we do this with our kids program. We do this with our, 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 uh, our young adults. Our middle adults are doing this. Our, our slight above average middle adults are doing this. We have a group for the senior citizens. We have um, our, our, just on and on they go. And this is, this is exactly what we do. And then we have these groups and we put these, put these groups out there. And then those groups split. It's just like metamorphosis. Everyone loves that. And people would come to these conferences and every single one of these conference leaders would tell you that at least once per conference, someone comes in and measures the auditorium and says, this is, uh, all right, this is how big their auditorium is. This is what we need to do if we want our church to grow. That ch- churches, churches, if churches are going to grow, we've got to do something that manipulates the outside world to meandering in here. Got to put something on the sign that promises some sort of, of great, great preaching or great music, or we've got to do something that allows them to just go, well, I want to go there. That's the Apple store of churches. And then we have this fiery sermon by Peter. Where he, he says, this Jesus is now Lord and Savior and people are, are struck. 3,000 people called Jesus the Messiah that day on Pentecost. Which, if, you're, if your mind's kind of ringing a little bit, you go, wait a second. Didn't on the first giving of the law, they rejected God and 3,000 people died? Yeah. They're making a point. It wasn't 3,000 exactly. <laughs> you know? How many did we baptize today, Peter? 3,000. That's, that's even, and I question it. Not that it's too big, it's too exact. 
a lot, 3,000 plus. But they say 3,000, but they're pointing to this acceptance of God's covenant versus the disregarding of God's covenant. And same day, Pentecost, giving of the law. What happens? Giving the law, Exodus 20, you got the Ten Commandments. And then Exodus 21 through 31, you have the rest of them. He just keeps going. They stopped counting at 10. Again, even number, can't trust it. Get to Exodus 32. God says, God's been saying throughout all of these laws, my people whom I brought up out of Egypt, my people, I am their God. These are my people. I brought them up out of Egypt. He turns and sees them. They've constructed a golden calf. And he says, Moses, look what your people who you brought out of Egypt are doing. Look it up. And they go down, 3,000 people died that day. Pentecost after Jesus is risen, 3,000 people come to the Lord. It's a big explosive movement, right? So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? All these people who have given their life, who, have, who have, are convinced that Jesus is Messiah, convinced that he is king, convinced that he is Lord, and we're going to now do what? Well, I know someone who can print some pamphlets for us. We're going we're gonna to go on a door-knocking campaign. Going to wrap, wrap on some frames. We're going to go around and convince people like, hey, hey, any minute now, Jesus might come back and you got to be ready. We've got, Peter did pretty good that first time. Let's tour. Let's, let's get a tent and we'll go around and conquer these villages in the name of Jesus. What are we going to do to grow the church? And there they are in the next verses, just eating together. Kind of just hanging out. Breaking the bread and taking the cup. Sitting around the table. Having the goodwill of all. And day by day they met around the table. Day by day they went into the temple courts. They couldn't get enough of this each other Jesus provided. And we, we think this is up to us. We think, well, I've got it. If we can just convince enough people, if we can just have the right things, if we can have the right sign. I guarantee you there are people who drive by this building and have no idea what it is. There's a sign out there on the corner says Glenwood Church of Christ, it, it faces due west and due north, and there's not a road coming in from the south. I love that sign. But if I had my druthers, just the, the me, I would get one of those big rotating ones with Johnny's face on it. <laughs> Be digital. We could put anything we wanted to up there. We'd have typos. 
No. But that doesn't, no one looks at a church and goes, you know, I don't want to go, but their sign's great. No one looks at a church and goes, I, I've heard they're awful people, but I've seen their gym. They met together day by day and broke the bread and, and remembered their king and their submission, their love, their um, interacting with others and the way they interacted with themselves they had the goodwill of all the people. And churches split. What's it over? There's so many churches that split and then they become the highway church of Christ because it's my way or the highway and that's just the two options. This, it's, it's over often just small things. We're going to start our own and then we're going to grow. Well, what? What are you serving there? The my way church of Christ or the highway church of Christ? But these people, they didn't do much of anything except, which is a difficult thing, be completely ruled by the king. Let the way Jesus had treated them affect how they treated each other. Let the grace of God infiltrate their table. This church that was on fire did not have programs. It did not have, it did not have technologies out that, that, that anyone could access. It didn't have really even all that much of a plan. Except to show up to the table and eat. To show up to the temple and gather. And they had the goodwill of all the people. In 1 Peter, Peter tells his audience to obey the laws. Which is crazy coming from a man who chopped off an ear once. Peter isn't saying the Christian way is the speed limit. Peter is saying our job is to exist in a world where revolt isn't our way. We're, we're taking down the government's not our way. There's a famous, well, it's not that famous of a comedian. But one of my favorite comedians once said, I'm against picketing, but I don't know how to show it. We get all riled up about all sorts of things and we think that though, because we think those things are the barrier for the Christians to do in the world what Christ called us to do. If we could just beat that sin or this sin, my goodness, we're so caught up in calling sin a sin that we forgot to call the cross a cross and the Christ a Christ. And we... 
when we gather, if we gather in the spirit of God, trust this, that day by day, God will add. We often talk about trying not to take God's job. You know, I don't want to judge people, that's God's job. I'll help if he asks. But in John, Jesus is meeting with his disciples and he, he's telling them about the spirit that's going to fill them. In John chapter 14, 15, and 16, he's got this, this message he has for his disciples and it all, it's all about the spirit that's going to show up when he leaves. He calls it a helper, an adversary. The word he uses is hard to give our, it's, it's a tough word to just give one word in English. But this adversary is going to do a lot of things for us. This helper is going to do a lot of, it's going to be present with us. It's going to teach us. It's going to comfort us. And then Jesus says of this helper, of this, of this um, person who stands by us, this spirit that stands by us, this advocate, says, and this spirit will convict the world. So we've got this God who judges, but not like a judge, but like a good father. We get this spirit that empowers and takes, takes the burden of convicting the world off of our hands. And we've got a God who day by day will add to our number as we exist in his presence. When we do well with what God has entrusted us, God will entrust us with more. We don't have to worry about it. I don't like stepping on the scale. It's pretty easy though. I like the I like the like the ones that spin. Cause I just blur my eyes and jump when I see a number I like. There's no sense in it. There's no sense in it. That's not a very good measurement of who I am. I've never stepped on a scale and it said, You are a loving father. Or a wonderful husband or a B minus preacher or like it doesn't there it doesn't say anything about me so why worry about it there's some doctors who are like but <laughs> it's funny to me when they you bring a baby in and they put him on a scale and they're like, here's his BMI, his body mass index. I was like, oh, well, I guess he's got to do some push-ups. This, but our numbers go ahead and count. Go from left to right, one, two, three, four, and all of a sudden, Shannon becomes a seven. Kurt becomes a 84. 
Sabrina, you're a 120. We're going left to right here. But your numbers don't matter. Your names do. Your faces, your place at the table matters. And so when God adds to our number, he's not going to add numbers. He's going to add spots at the table that are filled with faces and names. And we're, gonna, we're going to love them. And they're going to be weird. Different from us, raised in different places. They might be from other countries like Wisconsin. But we, that's what, to me, like imagining a church that grows is imagining that first century church gathered around the table and someone kind of knocking on the door and saying, hey, I think Jesus is king. And them saying, sit down. And there they eat. And God showed them the door. And we welcomed them when they walked in. That's a growing church. But it must be attended to. Our life, our church life, our communion, the communion, our community life is attended to daily. So if the Spirit puts on your heart to call somebody, call them. Don't think, oh, I don't want to. They don't want to hear from me. Call them. Sometimes calling somebody and checking on them feels like, uh, maybe some, this is actually probably not an analogy that, that helps you guys because you look all very astute and self-disciplined. When I was in college, I skipped class quite a bit because I wanted to learn to play my guitar. And I'd start playing my guitar and they would, class would come and I'd think, I'll do fine on that calculus test without going to the calculus class. And so I'd sit and I'd play guitar. And I would do that a couple of times in a row. And after you skipped class three times, it's really hard to go back. To walk back in and go, I'm irresponsible. <laughs> and that slowly builds up. And maybe your thought is when you think, I need, I need to reach out to that person. Maybe your thought is, but I haven't. And now it's awkward. That's why it's so much easier to go to other countries like Montana and knock on doors. <laughs> Walt, he thinks they're countries. And knock on doors and say, hi, I'm from somewhere else. Can I talk to you about Jesus? I'm like, I, I have been brought in by this church that's down the street that's attended by these neighbors that you know, and they brought me in to invite you to come eat with them. <laughs> it's so much easier to do that because I don't know them. I haven't had this long experience in which I have, I have interacted with them and I've talked about the instead of the king 
They've got to bring me in and knock on their door so they can come to our church. Maybe you've never talked to your neighbor about Jesus and it's awkward because you've never talked to your neighbor about Jesus. You never you haven't called that person in a while to check on them and there's going to be that awkward moment where you think, "I'm sorry, I haven't called you." If the spirit asks you to draw someone from our community closer to you, give in. Be tempted by the Spirit's righteousness to do the right thing. And as we take care of each other, God will take care of us. If we give our heart to this table, to this community, Day by day, God will do what God has always done. And as Jerry talked about, the church will go on without me as it, as it got here before me. Different methods, different practices, different approaches. God just seems to keep finding people to glorify Him and to follow His Son. We can trust the God who brought us to our faith to bring those we've been praying for to theirs. Let's pray together. Father, you are faithful to us. We know that our efforts to reach the world around us are not in vain. We know in the end that, that you add to our number. That you add, that your spirit is um, working, not just in this room or around this table, but your spirit is working in this world. And God, if there are people in our community, if there are pe- people in these apartment complexes, Autumn Glen, the Madison, or Holly Tree, and all the others, God. There are people that our community can help them find a closer relationship with you. Send them to us. Help us find them. And God, help us to love them with the love your son has showed us. God, help us to do this day by day. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.